whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never thirst again, but the water that I will give him will be in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. It'll be a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So he said, and we looked last week in John chapter 6, and again, because of time, I'm not going to go into all of them, but over and over and over again, we saw in John chapter 6 where Jesus said, he was talking about those who believe in him. That whole message was about believing in him, and he broke it down about I'm the bread from heaven. You, You remember now that I'm talking about it, do you remember some of it? Where he talked about, if you don't eat this body and drink this blood, then you have no part of me. And he said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. He said, they are spiritual. The whole first part of that, he was talking about believing in him. And I, and I shared the, the word there in, it's into, believing into him. Jesus said that it begins by believing into him in John 4 right here. He said, and when you believe into me, it'll be a river. He said, it'll be a well of water, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Here's the reality. Jesus told Nicodemus when he met with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, don't marvel that I tell you, you must be born again. And you go, man, you've preached this before. You've talked about this before. I can't get away from it. There are so many people who have churchianity and not relationship. They've gone to church, and they think just because they've gone to church that that means they have relationship uh, with God. They grew up in church. And I am not one who says you've got to know the exact day that you were born again. I thank God for those who do. I know this. I was 13 years old. I could take you to the place where it happened. But if, if somebody said, if you couldn't tell me the day right now and the time right now, I'm going to shoot you. I would just have to go see Jesus. I win. I couldn't tell you the exact day or time. I could tell I was at Ridgecrest Bible Camp. I was 13 years old. I had been spent several days in rebellion saying I was going to do my own thing and not what they said. And the pastor of the church called me out. And I said, okay, watch this. None of us will have fun today. Me or you won't anyway. You or I won't because the rest of them went swimming. He said, either you can go swimming with the rest of them or you can sit here with me. And I said, huh. then you'll sit here with me. Because I didn't want to go swimming. I had buddies there I raced BMX bikes with. And we were just running all over the campus doing what we wanted to at a missions-themed conference deal, youth camp. I was doing my own deal and got caught. (laughs) Imagine that. And uh, we were sitting there, and I was kind of puffed up, and I was pouting, like all good 13-year-olds do. No offense to any 13-year-olds we have in the room. I just look straight ahead. Bob's not 13. I can look at Bob. (laughs) I was pouting, and he began to talk to me, and he said that some of the people in the church had, had spoken to him and wasn't sure that I'd ever been born again. And he just began to present the gospel to me. And, man, I broke, as Andrew Walmart would say, like a $3 suitcase. I just crumbled. And he said, would you like to know? And I said, I would. And I can remember going in by his bunk, kneeling down and praying. I can't remember what I prayed. I just remember... I wept like a baby. And I knew something had happened. I had no idea what that was, but I knew something had happened on the inside of me. And he said, you want to go call your mom and dad? And I don't know if y'all remember that when I was at camp and I called home. We went up to the campus and I called home and I said, Mom, Dad, I got saved. I didn't have a clue what that meant. And I proved it the next six years of my life. 
Because I lived like H-E double hockey sticks. I did. I went back into that culture of BMX. And it's not that all BMX riders are bad. I went back into that culture. And that same year, 13 years old, that same year I started drinking. And I'm not going to share that part of my testimony. I've done that before. But that same year, because I didn't have discipleship, I didn't have churchianity. I, we, I grew up in church, but I knew I had to be born again. That's what he told Nicodemus. Don't marvel that I tell you, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I would not rest my eternity on a hope so. And I'm not here to preach you into hell. Okay? I'm not here to make you feel like you've lost your salvation or that you never had it. What I'm saying is this, that we base so much, we believe that just being good or, or, or whatever is going to get us to a place we've never seen before, that God has promised is our home if we have relationship with him as sons and daughters. And here's what I know. Romans 8 says, when you're born again, he puts his spirit on the inside of you and you're led by your spirit. Here's what I know. When I was 13 years old, I had no idea what had happened on the inside of me, but I knew there was a change because even though I went out and I went back into a life of sin, it didn't feel the way it did before. I'm not about feelings, but I'm telling you, it wasn't that I didn't have a warm fuzzy on the outside, but in here, I knew something wasn't right. No one had to tell me, you're doing wrong. And I'm telling you this, if you can live in direct opposition to the Word of God, and there's not something that just turns on the inside of you, I wouldn't rest my eternity on that. Did you hear me? That there's not that draw on the inside of you when you step, not... (laughs) Please hear me. This isn't a works thing. This isn't that you're good enough to get into heaven. What I'm saying is when you get born again, he told Nicodemus, when you get born again, I'll put my spirit on the inside of you. That's what he told this woman at the, at the well. He said, when you drink of me, you'll have life, and it'll come up from the inside of you. Are you with me? It'll come from the inside out. It won't be something you have to work out from the outside in. As a matter of fact, he said, work out your salvation, not work it in. It should be something that's working out of us because it was a seed planted in us. (laughs) That's good. And what I'm saying is this. The the Lord is just stirring in me not to take for granted that people know or that people have been born again. You can go to church all your life and go to hell. That's not warm and fuzzy but it's fact but it's only because you reject the payment for sin it's not because God doesn't love you it's not because you're not good enough it's because you reject Jesus you have to go past Jesus to get to hell he said to Nicodemus you must be born again and he said when you are There'll be, a, uh, there'll be a fountain, there'll be a well, some translation says a well, that springs up on the inside of you, that you'll know. So whether you have a date or not, you'll know on the inside of you, there was that time when he planted his seed. How can uh, us, who natural, have God, who is supernatural, inside of us and not know it? Are you with me? Again, I'm not trying to preach anybody out of salvation. 
That's not my heart. My heart is this. When I was 13 and didn't know that there wasn't a book called First Paul. I was 19 years old. No, I was 20. We were married. I was 20 years old. I was in church and man, had radically recommitted my life to the Lord. My wife had gotten born again, and we were sitting there, and I was doing like a good Baptist does. I was on the second row, right where Brenda sits. That's where I sat in my Baptist church every Sunday. And if you were in my seat, I would look at you. And for years in that church, there were two amens. It was me and my dad. We were the amens. Everybody else was quiet. We'd say amen. Because it was, it was very, very quiet and reverent in the, men, in the eyes of men. Very, very. And I can remember I was sitting right there. And he said, all right, turn, up, turn to First Paul chapter 3. I was wearing my, my new Bible, the open Bible, the King James Version Bible with my name printed on the front of it. Wearing it out. Didn't have a, I couldn't find it. I said, I got the wrong Bible. Got the wrong, mine don't have Paul in it. But I knew that something had happened on the inside of me. Even at, at 19, when I recommitted my life to the Lord, I was good looking. I was good looking. I rocked a mullet like nobody's business. Business in the front, party in the back. But it wasn't just a mullet. At one stage, it was a mullet with a perm in the back. Everybody can't do it, but I could. It was a mullet that, that nobody else had the wherewithal to rock. I'm just saying. I had it bleached down the sides, across the edge, and on the bottle. Everything else was brown, and it was blonde. Blazing blonde right here, down the sides and across the bottom about an inch. <laughs> Help yourself. <laughs> and parted in wings on top. <laughs> I got pictures. I got pictures. Tina saw me, she's like, oh. Between my mullet and my jacked-up Jeep with headers on it, waka, waka. That Southern Alamance girl couldn't, couldn't take it. And the rest, they say, is history. We celebrate 25 years this year of marriage. Come on. But when we got in, back into church... Like I said, there was, the Lord began to minister to my heart. And I wasn't in the, the best environment. There was, there was a lot of legalism preached and things like that at that time where we were. But here's what I know. The Spirit of God began to do a work on the inside of me. And no one came to me and told me that at that point in time, see, in that culture, here's, here's just who I am. My wife will tell you this. She's a lot like that too, so she can't throw any stones at me. That when I, when I commit to something, I commit. I'm not the one who sits on the fringe. When I go in, I'm going in. 
If we're going to take the hill, we're going to take it. If we get taken, we get taken. But we're not going to just sit on the edge and say, you're going to go? I don't know if I'm going. You're going? I don't know if I'm going. You're going? You're going? I'm the one that's in the front. They go, where'd he go? He's gone. And when I get in it, I go. So when I got in it, I jumped in with everything I had. I cut my hair. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I tell people all the time, we've been married 25 years. I've given her 15 of the best years of her life. The first 10 went, because <laughs> I went out of the world and into religion with everything I had, both feet, hands, everything I had. I, I looked for I got pictures to prove that too. We had friends of ours several years ago that were looking at pictures when we were, uh, I was probably about 23 and Tina was just a little bit older than that. <coughs> She has another milestone this year, not just our 25th, but I won't touch that right now. But see, the, the, a friend of ours looked at our pictures when we were all Baptist up. Tina had the big hair, and I had the short hair, it was big on top, and my tie, and burgundy sports coat. <laughs> they said, you literally look like you could be your parents now. Because we were so far under it. That's, it was that heavy. We looked older. We looked then older than we look now. I got pictures to prove it. <laughs> Thank God for photography. But his spirit in me. See, there, that, that well on the inside of me led me to a place. And, th- and, I'll, and I'll, this is all intro to next week, okay? It led me to a place that I was in Bible college. I got out of Bible college. They closed my Bible college. Go figure. Right before I got my bachelor's degree, they closed it. That's what I tell people all the time. Not everybody can be as good as me and, and put a, an associate's degree and get it done in five and a half years. A two-year degree. Not everybody can do that, but I did. <sighs> One of my great achievements in life. <laughs> but... uh I don't even know where I was going. My dad just messed me up. I got to thinking about five and a half years. I got hungry. I got out of Bible college. And I've shared this before. I read Hebrews 13, 8. And it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I said, that's not the Jesus I've known for the past eight years, that past ten years. That's not the Jesus I've known. He was this way, and then he died, and he went to heaven, and the apostles all died. And when they died, all the power went with them. All the life went with them. What we get is we get to go to heaven. That was it. We get to go to heaven. That's the best we got. We just hang on. We're the devil's, devil's whipping boy. He just beats us up, you know, and, uh, and we just hang on till Jesus comes back and rescues us from all of this because it's just bad, bad, bad. We have no power, no authority. And I read Hebrews 13, 8, and he said, nope, that's not true. So that took me into a study of the word, which leads me to this, and it's an invitation. Two, three invitations this morning. One, if you've never been born again, don't stake your eternity on I hope so. Two, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, which I believe the initial evidence of is tongues. When you study the word of God and you look when Paul uh, went to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, and they asked him if they'd received the Holy Spirit. And they said, we didn't even know where there'd be a Holy Spirit. He said, what were you baptized into? They said, we were baptized into repentance, which is being born again. 
And he said, oh, okay. So he said he laid hands on them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spake in tongues. Now, the Bible has three references, and I'll, I'm going to try to get to this next week if the Lord doesn't redirect us. But there's three references to tongues in the Bible. There's our known language. I'm speaking in a tongue right now. It's called English. When, when Mel was singing, Santo, 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 that's Spanish. That's Latin America, Spanish. It means holy, holy, holy. That's a known tongue. Then there's, in uh, Corinthians, there's the gift of tongues with interpretation where you speak, and, and many times it's in a known tongue that you don't know and someone else will, will get, or can interpret it, or sometimes it's in an unknown tongue and it comes and someone will give an interpretation. I believe that we can pray in tongues and ask God for interpretation, and we can get it even at home. And then there is when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues, is the Bible talks about you building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. It's a gift that God gives us that we use. The Bible says it edifies us. It builds us up. It's not just our spirit, man. We've been told, we've been sold a false bill of goods, even in the charismatic circles, that says when you pray in tongues, your spirit gets lifted up. That's not what that text means. In context, it literally means that your whole man is built up. When you pray, as a matter of fact, there's a doctor, it was in Oral Roberts University, who did a study on people praying in tongues. He put electrodes on their brains and, and, and did a study, and it said that there's a part of your brain that releases endorphins, which brings healing to your body that's only activated when you pray in tongues. It's a medical study, documented medical study, that that part of the brain is only activated. Why? Because it's a gift that God gave us, and it's a door, I believe, it's the entryway into all the other gifts. The power gifts that 1 Corinthians talks about that's been given to the church. Praying in the Spirit. And you know what? So amazing. I believe that's why the enemies attack that so much. Not just to not get it. How many of you in here have... Oh, I ain't going to do that. I'll just tell you. It's funny to me how we can forget what we think we really know. And the Lord has more than one time told me the importance of praying in the Spirit. And I will just jump in with both feet and I'll pray in the Spirit all the time. And then I can just forget that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. And I'll just get busy doing life. And then I pray in the Spirit every day, but not intentionally like I should. It's what the Lord has been showing me. Because if I really believe the Word, and it says that it builds me up, Isaiah even talked about it. He, he said it's a stammering tongue that they'll praise me. And he talks about in there that it builds us up, that it's life. Come on. And that's why God has given us this gift. It's not just so we can all sit around and talk in a language that no one understands. It's because he said that you'll receive power, Acts, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's over in John chapter 7 where I had intended to get today and hopefully we'll get next week. But in John chapter 7, he said that it'll, it'll be a river of life flowing up from the inside. Let me, let me find it. Thank you. He who believes in me, look, at verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, 
saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this spake he, what? Concerning the Spirit, whom those who believing in him would receive. Those what? Believing. Not those who believed, those believing. Oh, there's so much that I want to share out of this that we'll get to next week. It talks about believing, thirsting. Oh, it's so good, so good, so good. But he said this, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Spirit who was not yet given because, the, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. What's he talking about? This Jesus was referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said in John 4, he said, You believe in me and it'll be a well. Now, I haven't ever lived in a country where there's a well. I always lived in the city where they pump chlorine water to us, right? That's what's done in my growth. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I didn't live at a well, but I know this, that my wife grew up with a well, and they've had a well go dry because somebody used it to do more than what it was able to produce, so the, the well went dry because the well is for the individual. You can't, if you put too much draw on it, you can run the well dry. It's for the individual. But the river, the river brings supply to everybody who will come around it. And if we go to Ezekiel the 47, where he said that everywhere the river goes, there's life. How is that? Because there's life coming out. The river itself carries life. And throughout the scriptures, when it talks about drinking waters of life, it talks about Holy Spirit. Most of those references are dealing with Holy Spirit. So here he's saying in John 4 that when you get born again, there's a well in us. But when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a river. And that river doesn't just affect us. It'll affect anyone who gets around us. Huh? That's good stuff.